Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman. Alongside me, Steve Harmison, looking back at day two of the fourth Ashes Test between Australia and England. You are listening to Following On. So if you're listening to the show, you no doubt know by now that Australia ended up declaring 416 for eight. Stuart Broad taking uh, five wickets. I wonder what Chris Silverwood would be thinking about that, actually. I'm sure he'd be delighted for the bowler and for England. But when that uh, introspective look at how the Ashes has unfolded, uh, the fact that Broad has starred with the ball today may make the decision to drop him for the first and third test that much more of a bad error of judgment. Either way, that's a story possibly for another day. Uh, Jack Leach went wicketless again, but should have taken a wicket. Usman Khawaja dropped on 28 and Usman Khawaja ended up unbeaten on, well not unbeaten, ended up last man out for 137 260 ball vigil 13 fours and he, uh, he he put on some good partnerships Steve Smith yesterday and today um, Pat Cummins as well and also Mitchell Stark and really has just taken the game well away from England you feel, if not for uh, Australia overstepping and Zach Crawley would have been the first duck for England of 2022 but he's been given a reprieve caught a first slip but uh, he's two not out at stumps and uh, Hamid two not out at stumps as well England 13 without loss Story of the day Okay Harmi first things first social media is a blaze everybody wants to know the big battle so what exactly happened when Moeen Ali and Sir Alistair Cook walked off the set yesterday, the mics were away, and I'm sure. Well, I, let me imagine the scene. I reckon, I reckon you were holding back Mo, and um, Butch was in between Cook and Mo. Um, uh, Matt uh, Smith, you know, he's jumping on the back of uh, of Alistair Cook. Dan Norcross is commentating. 
Yeah, I, it must have been it must have been carnage there. I can only imagine if there's anything like what goes on at Talksport, um, the air would have been would have been blue with salty language, and I imagine that the makeup people had a big task in their hands just to cover up the bruises today. Yeah, it was. Uh, it got pretty hairy. I would, yeah, you know, I would love to see it. Um, not quite as bad as me and Goffy got at times during our, oh, yeah, our, um, our coverage. But no, I thought it was brilliant. Um, it got some negative press in the media saying the two of them had fallen out. Far from it. You know, when you sit next to somebody who you played with for such a long time, and you've been in a dressing room as long as there's these ta- two guys are, like me and Goffy do quite a lot you can say things to your friends that you couldn't say to people that you don't get on with um, and they won't take offence. I think there's no no offence taken, two absolute you know, legends of the game. Um, having a little bit of banter, and banter's a horrible, it's not a great word in the in, in cricket in the, in, in the recent past, but you know, they can have a bit of banter with each other. You can name call each other, uh, still have a bit of fun. Um, it just shows you that you know, behind the... You know, the the great games that they had. It was also good and witty sense of humour. Um, if you had seen Alistair Cook about half an hour before that, some of the noises that was coming out of that young man, I have never heard noises out of another human being when he was asleep at three o'clock in the morning. He was blowing some snoring out you'd not believe. I just <laughs> wish PT would actually show it. I think you might see it in a few years on a Christmas bleeper show. Um, and Moen thought, right, Cookies, maybe he's not on his guard. Um, uh, I put a few shots across the bow, um, and had a little bit of a, a little bit of a fun discussion. But that's all it was. It was it was quite good for you, uh, humoured, quite good fun. I think Moen's been a breath of fresh air. Yeah, talking honestly and openly. You know, the way he spoke about even selection, I couldn't believe what he said tonight. Um, and I think in between innings, or I think it was just in between innings. I think he said um, talking about Stuart Broad couldn't believe how we could England could even contemplate leaving Stuart Broad out and this is Mo and Ali who's got to go back into an England dressing room with the people who are selecting the side so you know he's been honest he's been punchy he's enjoyed doing the punditry um it's a shame he's not out in Australia because I think uh, we've needed probably more from our spin bowling department um I'm not saying Owen would have made a difference I'm not saying he would have gotten wickets um, a load of bagger wickets, but I think he would have given a little bit more an air of confidence that he, he had a more control of what he was trying to do rather than uh, I thought Jack Leach bowled okay today, uh, better than he has done in the series so far. But how uh, how much better would he have bowled if the England captain had took that catch? Yeah, well, let's talk about. Um, I mean, yes. It, it, it was uh, it was a painful moment, wasn't it? Joe, Joe Root putting down Usman Khawaja, who, by the way, apart from when he was ninety nine, he looked he looked like a player. I was in Sydney in two thousand and ten eleven when he made his debut, and I mean the way that was a poor Australia side, and they were clinging on for a hero. They needed something, and the way mm. the newspapers reported his i think he scored oh, 37 i'm gonna guess 37 and the way that the newspapers reported it the following day was like uh, you know basically a new messiah had been born that was never really going to be the case but you know he's he's been a part in and around the side for 10 years now he looks like he's at peace with the world 
Looks like he's at peace with his game. He's not putting any pressure on himself. If he gets in, he gets out. He's just going to play his game. He knows his game. He knows how to construct an innings. So credit to him. Apart from when he was 99, that's when he started to get a little bit, a bit nervy. But before I talk about Kawaja, and, and in fact, I'm going to talk about that as our moment of the day. Okay, so we won't talk about Kawaja's century. But Joe Root is a captain of spinners. That's what I want, do want to talk about. Because, you know, it was interesting watching Moe and Ali. Because there were at times when there was a lot of criticism about Joe Root's captaincy when Mo was bowling. And again today, so there's these stats going around. Um, John Etheridge picked up on some comments, I think, on the TV over in this part of the world where they had uh, picked up on the fact that Jack Leach had bowled three maidens, I think, in, in, in the entire series. And Shane Warne, who is excellent, obviously, when it comes to spin bowlers, was very quick to say, well, hang on a second. How can you bowl a, a maiden when you've got a field setting like the one that Jack Leach has been given? So what, how do you rate Joe Root as a captain of spinners? And do you have sympathy for Jack Leach as well? Because he doesn't seem to have the confidence to be able to pick his own field. Um, and that just means he gets milked. There's two things in that when you say um, Jack Leach is given his field. You're an international test match bowler. You shouldn't be given anything. You know, if you're given something as a test bowler, you, you're not, you shouldn't be playing. It's like, it's like we talk about the coaching department. If you need to take a batting coach into a test match with you and think that you need that batting coach, selectors want their head red because they shouldn't be picking it. Hang on. So, hang on Let me just hold, just stop you for a second. Yeah. Now because Joe Root walks off the field at Adelaide and says his bowler should be bowling fuller. And he gets yeah. absolutely destroyed by Ricky Ponting, Chappelle, and a whole host of other people saying, you're the captain, mate. You set the field. And if your bowlers don't bowl where they should be bowling, then haul them off. So who sets the field then? Is it the captain or is it the bowler? Well, I would like to think it's a combination of both, but the bowler gets the final seat. It's like do, picking but, a team. Do, but do you think that is what happened today? I would, I would like to think so. I, I think there's a little bit of both in this year. We go to Brisbane, pick him on a green seamer, stick two men, three men round the bat, he goes at 12 and over. And that was go Joe Root. That was Joe Root picking that field, right? Yeah, well, but he, yeah. He, I, would, he said I would say they both. I would say they both picked the field. I would say they both picked the field. And now they've come with a combination um, that, they're going to work from out to in, which gets some confidence, gets them going. The problem is, it's all well and good saying the captain should set a better field. But it's like it's like saying, right, Steve Armisen, there's three slips in a gully and you go and bowl bounces every ball. You know, you've got to be able to bowl to your field. You've got to have control in what you're trying to do. And unfortunately, and this is not Jack's fault. We can, we're not, I'm not wanting to stick the boot in Jack, Jack Leach. No. I really feel... I feel I feel sorry for the kid. Unfortunately, he's the best spinner we've got. We had a discussion, me Butch, about you. Know, you can go all the way back to the to the mid sixties. You can probably count on one hand how many good spinners we've had in in that in that time. We talked about we were talking about on air two thousand and five and how important Ashley Giles was to the four fast bowlers. He was in isolation alone. You know how good was Ashley Giles as a spin bowler in the unit? He was a very very good spin bowler. You know, Derek Underwood, Phil, Phil Edmonds, John Embry, Monty Panesar, Graham Swan, Ashley Giles. That's it. I, 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 don't, I, I can't remember too many more. 
where we've, you know, we've really had a struggle during my time. We were talking about Richard Dawson. We're talking about Sean Udell going to Pakistan and India when they're 40. You know, we have had a struggle with, with spin bowlers in this country. And unfortunately for Jack Leach, he's getting thrust into an Ashes series. I don't think he's comfortable bowling to the field he sets because I don't think he's got the control and I don't think he's got the confidence in his action to really feel as though he can let go of the ball with two men round the bat, mid on and mid off up, no deep, no deep sort of mid wicket. I don't think he can bowl at. He certainly can't bowl to a left-handed batsman from over the wicket. I think his action, I don't think his action can bowl to that because what he seems to do is he seems to get, it seems to be going a bit too, he goes over the top too, you know, too far which means he doesn't get the drift. What he does is he drifts the ball and spins it in the same direction. You look at somebody like Graham Swan, you look at somebody like Nathan Lyon, you know, they're, they're not over the top. They're, they're sort of, they're more, they're not, not quite round on, they're in between. They're probably on 12 o'clock. Maybe he's a little bit more, you know, a, a bit more rounded than that. So what they do is because then they're like that, they get loads of revs on it. Jack Leach doesn't get any, you know, any revolutions on it. Because they get loads of revs on it, they drift the ball away from the, the, the angle that they turn it from. So they're drifting it away, and then it spins back. And that's what Lyon and, and somebody like Swanee does. Jack Leach, actually, because he's, he's too far over the perpendicular, he can't get the revs on the ball. So it comes more out the front of the hand. So it actually drifts in towards where the, the, you know, drifts where the ball is going to spin and then spins nicely into the bat. And that's how... He struggles with getting with left-handers over the wicket. So if you stand over the wicket, he drifts the ball in towards off stump, pitches off stump, and it goes on to hit middle and leg. You bowl him any any top order test match batsman, middle and leg, and it's just Christmas. Thank you very much. And just milk you all day. So we can have a go at Joe Root's captaincy about setting fields. But I think you've got to look at the bowler and think, well, how good is he to bowl at them fields? And hence why he has to start from out to in, which means out to in means deep square leg, deep mid-wicket, long on, long off, and try and build some confidence in some dot balls. And even that, he struggles to bowl with confidence in dot balls. So you've always got to have a protective arm around him because if you bring the field in, you go, you like what Brisbane, you go at 12 and over. You keep the field out and Joe Root gets nailed as a captain. And I think the bowler's going to take some responsibility here and say, well, right, this is my field and I'm going to bowl to it. I don't think that happens. Stuart Broad, undroppable now. I mean, you know, we were just saying yesterday about the article in the Telegraph, two tests to determine his future. Well, you know, he's kind of he's come and done it again, isn't he? And that a lot of people get annoyed by Broad, but boy, he he, he can talk the talk. He is going to be a phenomenal broadcaster, but he walks the walk, doesn't he? I mean, he always he backs it up when he comes out there firing. Because he's not in the side, he comes in and he, and he absolutely delivers. It's it's crazy. We said it on Tuesday in the Critic Collective. We said it yesterday. Um, and I always see it, and I and I keep people think, oh, you stick up for Stuart Broad all the time. You're close to Stuart Broad. You know, you've got a good relationship with Stuart Broad personally. You played with Stuart Broad. That's got nothing to do with my opinion of that kid. Every time he, every time more often than not that. He's either said something or he, he needs to deliver to perform. He performs. He went through a patch about two or three years ago where 
he was at the, probably at the crossroads of does he pack in and retire or does he carry on? He went through a little bit of a a patch where you weren't sure what you're going to get from Stewart, but in the last two years, I think he's been fantastic. I think he's get he, he keeps delivering, he keeps getting better. I thought he was excellent today. I thought I thought if Mark Wood had came off with five wickets today, I I think nobody could have complained. I thought Jimmy Anderson was at, was again. Yeah, well, Jimmy, 30 overs, 30 overs for 54. Yeah, this this is 39-year-old. Yeah, this is this is England's best attack. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, this is England's best attack. And, you know, Ollie Robinson will come and try and take Stuart Broad's place. But you put him in an Ashes series, you put Australians in front of him, you question his place and value in the side. The question marks are, are valid. They're always valid because of the age that the, these guys are and the amount of games they've played. And the Telegraph might be right. It might be his last two games. It might be two games to prove his career because England might at the end of the series turn around and go, you know what? We're not playing great cricket. We're not winning cricket matches. So we might just turn around and say, right, we're going to move on from Broaden Anderson. We're going to see if we can do it without these two great bowlers. We're, going to, we're not going to be as strong for the next six months, but hopefully beyond that, we might earn our two bowlers to fill half the void. That might happen, but they can only ask answer they can only ask questions of each other and of a, a unit against an opposition when they're picked. And when they're picked, I thought the bowl fantastically well. They catch Kawaja and the bowl him out for two seven five. Uh, they catch him and it, the, the bowl him out. England bowl him out for two seven five. Tired bowlers bowling at the tail. No act a few. Been there, done that. Demoralising when the catch goes down. But I thought the three seamers were absolutely fantastic. And I go back right to the very start of this whole series, even before they even left for the World T20. When Ben Stokes was available, I said, and I'm happy to, and I, I, I don't want people to say, oh, you were right or anything like that. But the minute Ben Stokes was available, England were always going to play with three and a half bowlers. They were going to have five bowlers in their side. I would have picked five seamers every single game because our spinner wasn't going to be good enough in Australia. Ben Stokes was going to bowl sparingly and to get him into the series. But once you pick a spinner and Ben Stokes, you were playing with three out-and-out bowlers that you could hang your hat on and two half bowlers because a half-fit Ben Stokes and a, not, not really too much of a usable of Jack Leach you are always going to hamper your bowling unit. And it amazes me how well England have done this bowling unit in the four test matches that they've played so far. Are we going to see Stokes bowl again in this series? <coughs> I don't think we'll series. see Stokes. I don't think we'll see Stokes bowl this summer. I really don't. Um, if, if he gets he an IPL contract, he might He might get into what, the IPL bowling. But if he's done his intercostal, been there, done it, three months. You know, And there's such a... There's such a, a difficult injury to come back from. It's a bit like a hamstring injury. You come, you feel good. You feel as though you can come back. You come back that one week too early, goes again, and you've just gone back to square one with three months down the road. So, you know, I don't see, I don't, if he's, if he's tore intercostal, I don't envision Stokes to bowl in again until June the 2nd when England play New Zealand because he came on the field. The telltale sign was he came on the field and went to slip. He's not fielded slip um, probably since June because of his edge of ice since he, he bust his finger. He came on it on a slip, 
ball went in front of him, it would have been an even Ben Stokes fielding it slip and practicing, it would have been an unbelievable catch if he dived in front of Joe Root, because there was no way it was carrying to Joe Root, even if he dived forward. But he came on it, he came into slip for the simple fact he came on the field for the simple fact is it wasn't an impact injury. And if he stayed off the field from lunchtime till now, he, he wouldn't have been able to bat to seven because you've got to spend the same amount of time off the field, uh, sorry, on the field and off the field. So, you know, the, the, the time would elapse when Ben Stokes was available or he would, the position you'd be, the first position you'd be able to bat would be number seven. So I think he came back on the field knowing that his body was, yeah, stiff, sore, and he wasn't going to bowl but he came back on the field to make sure he could bat in the position he would need to bat because it shouldn't happen when he's batting too much. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Moment of the day. It wasn't quite up there with Steve Waugh, was it, 2002-03, but as the clock ticked towards T and Usman Khawaja moved into the 90s and suddenly his very zen-like uh, uh, facial features suddenly went a little bit stressed, the crowd started booing Pat Cummins because he was farming the strike. Um, it just reminded me of Steve Waugh because it was a fitting century, a fitting moment uh, for a very talented player who probably should have scored more than nine test centuries. Uh, but he's had one chance and he's taken it, hasn't he? Travis Head, of course, only missed his test because of COVID. Um, and like Scott Boland 
at the MCG, he's basically made himself undroppable. He's going to have to play in Tasmania, and uh, I mean, what a uh, what a what a choice Australia are going to face in that Test match. But I thought he played wonderfully well, Kawaja. Um, he looked a little bit ruffled when Ben Stokes was trying to knock his head off, and I did wonder why we didn't see Mark Wood try and do the same thing more often. But uh, credit where credit's due. Yeah, hundred percent credit where credit's due. Other than the nick off the ball off Jack Leach to to Joe Root on twenty nine thirty, it was it was faultless. Um, he didn't play and miss outside his uh, his body line. He defended the ball very well. He rotated the strike. That was the thing for me. Rotated the strike very very well. Uh, when England's bowlers were putting them under pressure, you know, broad bowler a lovely speller in the middle afternoon. And I thought he, he handled that very, very well. And when the ball was offline, he punished it. He, he hit the ball square of the wicket very, very well. A couple of nice pull shots off Mark Wood. Um, the crowd were were obviously waiting for that that 100 moment. His wife and baby were waiting for that 100 moment. Um, and he thoroughly deserved the, the applause that he got. And it just seems that both sides have got ridiculous um, sil- uh, selection dilemmas. You know, I think England would like to play 15 and Australia are struggling to get 11, you know, 15 into 11 because Richardson came in and Nisa came in and did well. Um, Richardson getting five wickets. You know, Head will come back after getting 100. Uh, I just worry that if Marcus Harris doesn't get any runs in the uh, in the second innings, that's where Kawaja might go and bat. Listening to Simon Katich on Simon Katich and uh, Stuart Clark on commentary, they're both more or less indicated that they think Kawaja's best place is at opening or batting number three. So you'd have to open. I think he's played nine test matches in opening. I think he averages in the 80s. So that's where he potentially could fit in if 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 Australia want to make a change and bring Travis Head back, which I would imagine they would. So, no, I thought it was uh, a perfect innings or near perfect innings other than the, the, the nick. Um, and I thought he handled, yeah, he hold that middle order, middle order together when England bowled, I thought England bowled reasonably well. You know, very well in the middle period. Broad had some you know, serious questions. Wood bowl with fire. Anderson bowl with discipline. Um, but Usman Kawaja had all the answers to all the questions that England bowlers had. What is going to happen tomorrow? OK, Harmy, I always give you uh, credit when you get it right, but you got it wrong, didn't you? I did. You uh, said England uh, would bowl well today. Well, they did bowl relatively well, but of course they're hampered by only having three bowlers. Um, so what's going to happen uh, on day three at the SCG? Um, I hope I get it wrong again. I hope I get it wrong again. But then five overs, Pat Cummins. Wow. I just worry what if we, we might bust some fingers tomorrow. I think he's... It just seems the harder you hit this pitch, the more you get out of it. His height is obviously the difference between him and, and Wood. Wood's got maybe he's five kilometres an hour, maybe he's more on um, on on Pat Cummins. I think Boland could be a handful on this, as in when he comes into the attack, because he's not small, he's not short, but he hits the deck hard. And Mitchell Stark gets his radar right, we've seen tonight. He was all over the show and then bang, one spot on. Wicked taking ball, Nick. And if it wasn't for his size, 14 feet, he would have had Zach Crawley out. So I think Australia, I think 400's a lot of runs. I really do. I think on this surface, I think 400 is a lot of runs. A slow outfield as well when it's been, with it being, you know, rain affected. So 
the only question I would 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 want to so be asking Pat Cummins is has he got it in them if he bowls England out cheaply to follow on because with the rain around whether he wants to win the game I'm sure he wants to win the game and win the series five nil that he might have to ask his bowlers to follow on in this game um, and it's not the done thing so that could be a something in in Pat Cummins's mind but you know so far so good for England they got over the five overs but if Pat Cummins gets it anywhere near right like he has done in this series so far, he's due a bag of wickets. He didn't get any wickets. He hardly got any wickets in that uh, in that game at uh, at the MCG, and he bowled beautifully. So he's due, isn't he? So it wouldn't surprise me if if he gets a few. And and England will will struggle. Can they get past the follow on? That's the big question. Um, in 2021, we didn't get more than 200 on many many occasions. So they're going to have to work hard and battle hard and hope. 2023 is a new year, but I fear the worst. Okay, well, we'll find out whether Harmy was right or wrong on the following on podcast following day three at the SCG. Thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 